Welcome to so, La Petite Mort Pod. Episode 25. Episode 25, technically, but also episode 5. So excited. Of season 2. I'm Em. I'm Dee. And we are La Petite Mort Pod, where we talk about all things taboo, from sex and death and everything in between. And today, we have a fun guest. We're so excited. We're so excited. So we have Victoria from The Elephant in the Womb, who's super, super fun. Um, Em and I have both had sessions with Mm -hmm. Victoria and found them super, super helpful. She's a period coach um, and an educator and just an overall awesome human being who does really, really cool things for people. And I'm so, so excited to have Victoria here today. So Victoria, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Virtually, of course, because COVID times. (laughs) (laughs) And so, Victoria, we always start off with a question. So I'm going to let Em take it away. Okay, and our question of the day is going to be, so from a bloodbath crime scene to like having cotton mouth, how are your feelings and experiences with having sex on your period I would have to put it somewhere at, like, a leaky faucet. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Where sometimes it's going and sometimes it's not. And we can always get into that a little bit deeper later. Um, But for most people, period sex is a lot less messy than you would expect. But the position that you're in can also affect that. Oh, Oh, oh I'm we're getting so into excited. <laughs> we're coming back to that. I'm writing that down. Position. <laughs> okay, amazing. Well, so could you tell us what it means to be a period educator? What, how you got there? Why you doing it? How do you do it? Tell us about it. Yeah, so I'm a reproductive health educator, period coach, creator of feminist goods, Um, and really I just started by studying reproductive health, childbirth education, public health, and I was like, okay, like I want to specifically work with periods. I didn't exactly know how, but I knew that there was a need for just breaking taboos and stigmas around the topic and really wanted to bring light to that. So I just Googled. I was like, period coach? Question mark? Is that a thing? (laughs) And at the time, this was, you know, five or six years ago, um, there was a couple of quote-unquote period coaches who had written some books, but uh, it wasn't very mainstream yet, not that I would say it's super mainstream now either, but I basically realized that it would be an option to work with people to just educate them about their periods because health class failed us all so hard. Mm Mm-hmm. So it was basically, you know, don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die once you have your period. (laughs) (laughs) So true. You will die, you will bleed to death. (laughs) Just don't do it. You must come to school, though, and work just as hard as everyone else, (laughs) even while you're dying. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Um, So that led me into period work, and I 
just wanted to learn everything that I could. And I started looking into period poverty and menstrual equity and how that impacts people around the world. And I was really shocked to learn that, um, you know, it depends in the parts of the world, but here in North America, even generally one in three people at some point in their lives can't afford period products or access period care. And so I figured, you know, I think that, you know, we need to bring some attention to this topic. So I had an idea. I was like, well, um, those of us that are privileged enough to be able to support our communities, have the money to do so, um, maybe it would be nice to make it so that my followers, my consumer could purchase something for me and in return could also help with the menstrual equity movement. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to come up with some feminist designs, make some t-shirts, and for every item purchased, I would donate a box of period products. I love that. And so I've been rolling with that for a couple of years now, and my designs have grown, and um, yeah, we've been able to donate, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it would be in the thousands now of boxes of period products, which is really, really awesome. Yay, that's so cool. Where do you donate them to? So I donate them to an organization called Moontime Sisters, and Moontime Sisters specifically donates to Indigenous communities of Northern Canada, where a box of period products is like quadruple the price that we would pay here in, you know, Southern, like centralized Canada or anyone from the States that's listening. I know it's even cheaper in the States to buy period products, Um, but a box up North in these communities can often cost $15 to $40 for one box, which leaves many people to have Mm -hmm. to use socks or old rags or to miss school and work and stay home and have to just free bleed onto a towel which all of those options aren't necessarily the safest thing to do um you know it also leave people to have to leave a tampon in much longer than they should if they don't have enough to change regularly which also puts people at higher risk of infection and toxic shock syndrome absolutely yeah that's that's really really important you work you do so thanks so much for doing that yeah, um, of course. So, um, yeah. So, wow. Like, you're an amazing human. So, this is really, really <laughs> great. So, I, I just want to start. Um, I guess we'll get into a little bit about. Um, so, we'll go. We'll dive into a little bit more about periods. Mm-hmm. Who are your consumers? Who are people who are either buying your products, um, and then you're donating those period supplies, or um, are booking sessions with you and getting some education? Who are those people? Any person with a period, really. Um, A lot of my clients are people that find me either through Instagram or TikTok, where I talk just a lot about different topics and periods that people might not be educated in, like period poverty, for example, and menstrual equity. Um, I talk a lot about inclusivity when it comes to periods as well, and how non-binary people, transgender men, some intersex people may have periods too. Um, So it's just, I like to create a safe space for anyone with a period to get the care and education that they need. That's so important, because I think that there's you know, we see feminine products and things like that. Feminine products. See, I just said it. Feminine products. Yeah. And we see period mm-hmm. products with boxes that are like, I'm girl, girl power, woo woo. They're very feminine. Very, very feminine. They're pink. They're this, they're that. And for some folks, that makes them really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's really, really cool that you create this safe space for anyone who bleeds. You bleed? I got you. <laughs> totally. So that's really, really important work that you do. So thanks for that, too. That's amazing. And so when folks reach out to you, 
and they want to have a consult, what are issues that you talk about? What are things that you're addressing? So it really spans um, from a lot of things. I would say the number one thing that people often contact me about is just like managing period pain in general. Um, A lot of the times when people come to me, they don't have a diagnosis yet or really know what's going on. And I'll be very clear that I do not diagnose people But I provide education and even just help on how to talk to your doctor about what's going on and be taken seriously. Um, A lot of times doctors write off period pain or anyone who has a uterus really that's in pain, which is why so many reproductive health conditions are like extended periods of time before diagnosis or diagnoses are reached. Like with endometriosis, the average diagnosis time is 10 years, Holy. which is a long time to wait for a diagnosis simply based off of doctors writing it off as, you know, Oh, well, fat phobia is a huge thing in healthcare. Yeah. People saying, oh, you just need to lose weight or, oh, that's normal. Like you're having period pain. We'll put you on birth control Um, or, oh, have you tried taking Advil, right? So um, educating people on how to advocate for themselves is definitely huge. Educating people, even once they have been diagnosed on what's going on with whatever management that they're having even just chatting with people about how to use period products i even chat with parents who aren't sure how to talk to their kids about it so it really spans from birth control to periods to painful sex as well right i love that and those can all be symptoms of other things and so mm-hmm. i feel that you're you're like this resource you're like a book but um, you are though like honestly like, no you really are um yeah. because we as both d and i have booked one-on-one sessions with you and I personally mine was on Thursday and I loved it um (laughs) but just you were like this plethora of information of just like because I suffer from PC I mean you know this I suffer from PCOS so um like and I didn't know a lot about it and then coming to you with our one-on-one session like I feel like I walked out of that session like so empowered and like with so much more information than I had before I went in right and then just was able to really learn from you. And I think that was like such an impactful and important service that you offer to people just to kind of really empower them with their, their problems that they're having and that they deserve to move forward and, and get the help that they need really. So I think that was awesome. Yeah. That was my experience too. I felt that, um, Afterwards, I had all these great new things to try that I had never even heard of, like castor oil packs and I love them. herbs. Yeah, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I had never even heard of that before, and now I'm like, yeah, like stockpiling like white claws. And my husband's like, why are these sitting around? Get rid of them. And I'm like, don't touch. There's my castor pack. That's my castor pack. <laughs> He's like, what is happening? And like, why is this like everywhere? And like, what is going on? And I'm like, ah. And just even, like, ways to talk to your doctor. Like, that's all been super, super helpful. Yes. So thank you, Victoria, again for the work you do. It's so, so important. I really today, so I want people to know that are listening that they can book a session with you. They can, and we'll talk a little bit more at the end on how they can find you. Um, so that's great. That's the work you do. Now I want to get into the dirty shit. Okay? <laughs> so we're going to put this that's aside. That's what we're all here for. <laughs> that's what we're all here for very lovely this is great we love you however we we have questions <laughs> okay <laughs> and something that um at, we brought up at the very beginning this kind of bloodbath crime scene sex on your um period let's talk about that is that something that people come to you with can i have sex on my period i think some people with uterus and people that bleed don't even know that they can <laughs> 
Truly. Totally. Yeah, a lot of people just don't even know where to start with that. They don't know if it's safe even sometimes Mm -hmm. or quote-unquote how you should be doing it which like spoiler there's no right or wrong way to have sex on your period it's the exact same um whether you're bleeding or not um but yeah it's uh for some people a really great way to feel empowered and even to manage pms not just period pain but all of the mood swings that can come with periods and having period sex can even shorten your period oh really what other benefits are there does it help with uh pain at all yeah so there's been some really interesting studies done actually on whether well to be honest i know we're saying like period sex it can be either sex or masturbation um the the big point here is reaching orgasm so i guess when it comes to the benefits of period sex it's not so much benefits of period sex it's benefits of climaxing um so that's an important distinction to make so um we have no time to fake things in this (laughs) lifetime (laughs) that's so true (laughs) um but yeah so there's endorphins that are released when you orgasm right so these endorphins these happy hormones literally raise your pain tolerance So there was a study done that showed that pain tolerance in people that participated in this study when orgasming pain tolerance was increased by 70 to 100%, which lasted for hours afterwards. Um, So that is one reason that it's really helpful in like boosting mood, reducing pain. But after you orgasm, generally the uterus is kind of like spasming when it's happening and then it does like a big relax, which is why people usually find that things calm down a little bit afterwards. But when it's doing that spasming, it's also, like, kind of, like, strengthening itself, right? Like, I'm imagining my uterus, like, pumping iron in the gym when that's happening, right? So it's kind of, like, squeezing out your lining, your period, more efficiently, too, which is why it can shorten some people's periods. Okay, so I have a question on that because (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, hold up, hold up. Has Dee sent me a, uh, like, a Reddit thing? ago and she was like oh my god we need to try this so it was this woman who basically said that when she starts her period she's in the shower and she'll like pump out like six orgasms in a row and then basically and then just like bear down and kind of just squat out a lot of like period like she basically says i can make my period go from like seven days to two days by orgasming like basically having six orgasms in a row in the shower and then just like kind of Bear down birthing. and birthing your period blood. And she's like, is that a thing? Is that real? Because <laughs> I was like, you got to so try this. <laughs> so yes and no. Not to that extent. I would be very, um, almost concerned at how people <laughs> would be believing if they were pumping out six days worth of flow into two. Um, but it definitely does help to, like, unstick the lining um, that's going on and help to, like I said, to shed it quicker. Now, it's not like you can do that all in a day's time. No. We should still Um, try it. I'm going to (laughs) try (laughs) it. For science. For For research. It's a podcast research. Podcast research, yes. Exactly. But at the end of the day, like during your bleed week, your hormones are still having that crash. And when your hormones have that dip, they want to shed your uterine lining. So even if you know, somebody did that and they 
shorten their period, they, they would likely still have some spotting that was going on just due to the nature of your hormones. Because um, a period can be too short as well. Okay. So we don't necessarily want a period to be only two days because it means that somewhere along the line, those hormones are not on the journey, ideally, that they should be on. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't know yeah. that either. Okay. So um, when... So orgasms good <laughs> we need those we want those you you did mention that there's certain positions that maybe would make you bleed more or less during sex tell us yeah that. so it's it's interesting it's the same how when you go into water some people think your period magically stops does it and because i've always wondered that too <laughs> <laughs> so it's another yes and no everything is gray area when it comes to experiences but both with having period sex and with your period in water some people experience a phenomenon where their flow seems to stop or slow down and this is mostly because of gravity so well, well i'm going to quickly chat about the water and then we'll bring this back to positions um but when you're underwater when you're you know swimming or even just in the bath um your period flow can often seem to stop. And this is because of the force of gravity, essentially, underwater. So you think about how if you are running on land, super easy, not a ton of force, you can move at a fast pace. But if you're underwater and you're swimming, you're having to, like, press. If you're diving in a pool, you're having to, like, press through that force of the water, right? Mm -hmm. It slows things down. So that's basically what's happening with buoyancy inside your uterus and vagina when you're in the water so it's similar to when you're having sex on your period in that gravity and buoyancy of what's going on right so if you're laying down or horizontal in some matter or inverted maybe depending what's going on um, your flow might seem less whereas if you are standing up or you're in the shower or you're upright during period sex you might find that it is heavier i also want to quickly dispel a myth that maybe you're not even aware of but circulates that people are concerned about like backflow when it comes to their periods they think that I know. They think it's that their period is going to like be reabsorbed by their uterus oh, from the Oh, vagina. like it's going back in, being shoved yes. back in. Okay, yes. is that a thing? Yes, and there is... No. And there is myths saying that that can happen and that, that people even think that that's a cause of endometriosis, infection, and it is absolutely 100% not true. The cervix is like a one-way street in most times. The only time it's not is if an IUD is being inserted quite forcefully. Anyone who's had an inserted nose, you can at least feel something happening. Um, but it is a one-way street there. So blood comes out. It does not go back up if you are having period sex. So period sex is totally safe there. Um, but my point being that things can come out, but they can also slow down from the rate in which they're pumping out. Huh. So if I laid just for just for example, if I laid on my back with my feet in the air, my whole leg and my butt, it's not going back inside of me. Correct. <laughs> there I'm we glad go. we dispelled that myth. <laughs> to, be, to be very careful when you do stand up, because it could be a gusher. Okay, okay. From, uh, from so a blood it's bath. Like down at the time. Yes. It's like if you sneeze or, oh. gosh, or when you first stand up in the morning on your period and, and you like, just got oh. the, 
You're like, yeah, so, I'm a disgusting human being. Except it's not. Yes. Right? It's not. But exactly. You feel it's that just way, inconveniently messy sometimes. So after period sex, when you get up, it's like a race between time and you and getting to the toilet. <laughs> it's like, and go. <laughs> go, 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 go. Running. Okay. All right. That's so interesting. So how would you describe your period blood in terms of, there's a bit of, um, I wouldn't know if it called a myth. There's this assumption that it's dirty. And I think that some, in my experience, I'm generalizing, cisgender males are like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that, Victoria. <laughs> what do you know yeah, about there's, that? There's totally a lot of taboo and stigma towards period blood, even today, which I'm going to circle back to the pinky gloves. I don't know if you've heard about that yet. Oh my God, minute. we posted those um, on our story this, like, this week, and we were cringing so hard anyway yeah (laughs) but period (laughs) blood is a little bit different than the rest of your blood in the in your system but not by much so period blood itself is a mix of blood regular blood the tissue the lining of the uterus and sometimes some cells and discharge even in there um so the only difference is that it's got like a little bit more additives to it than say if you were to get a paper cut but the blood in it itself is the exact same blood that's coming from a bloody nose or if you scrape yourself it's just mixed sometimes with pieces of tissue which is why sometimes you will literally see like clumpy clots or the image of like a jellyfish in your pad literally (laughs) on your period but it's not dirty it's not infected it's not going to sicken somebody if they were to touch it um and just like any other blood it can wash off and the key is just knowing that between you and the if you're having sex with somebody else that you're both clear of any infection or if there's any infections going on that you're consensually aware of that and managing it how it needs to be handled yeah okay Tell me about this pinky something a pinky glove tell us about the yeah the pinky gloves i believe it's I want to say Finnish, or maybe it's Swedish. It's somewhere in that region. A group of cisgendered men have created this pink disposable glove for when you remove a tampon. Because heaven forbid, yeah, heaven forbid you get period blood on your hand or have to see that you have period blood on your hand. And... No, just to add on to that, it's funny because we've had, like, a couple um, people post about it, like, this week, and one, um, actually our good friend Alicia, hello Alicia if you're listening, um, posted about it and she's like, this coming from the same group of men who don't wash their hands after they go pee, and they're like, oh I don't need to, it's fine. Really? And, and never then, wash their balls. Literally! <laughs> the sweatiest right. balls ass ever. <laughs> and yeah, no, yikes. Big, big, big yikes. So... Totally huge yikes, just further perpetuating the stigma. And the thing is, is that, um, and I mean, I'm a big anti-capitalism, borderline freaking communist person myself, (laughs) Um, but so much of period taboo and stigma is driven by capitalism because they can create products like this fucking pink glove (laughs) where they're selling you and they're selling you something totally driven by like the quote-unquote pink tax right where products aimed at people with uteruses are just priced more than they would be for somebody without them um think about it you can get like if you for some reason were really concerned about wanting to use a glove to deal with your period you can buy a box of disposable gloves from 
Canadian Tire oh, or Shoppers Drug Mart for like five dollars. Yeah, and they're charging a premium because they know that if they create an insecurity in you that you're going to see a need for their product and they're going to profit off of that. Mm -hmm. It's really disgusting, actually. It's gross. Like, the idea is is quite disturbing. Um, And I love, too, like, on the post from, like, the Pinky Gloves, how these guys, they're holding their product, but it's, like, physically away from them as they're like, hey, (laughs) look what we made, but we're not going to hold it close to us. Totally. But how does that that impact them? Oh, it doesn't. Like, it doesn't at all. So what's mm -hmm. the the beef? Uh, Just profit for them, I guess, right? Capitalism. Yep, exactly. It's really fucked up, guys. It is. It's really fucked up. Anyways, (laughs) all right, anyway, okay. So that's fucked up. We we know that now. Um, So, yes. So it's not dirty. It's not going to hurt. So I would like to just reiterate we're gonna sum this up it's not going to hurt you cisgendered men who are scared of it it's not going to bite you it's not going to hurt you and what and, it's and there's gross. benefits and it's like lube it's free lube literally yes yes totally okay all right so but okay. i mean period sex isn't for everyone to be fair to add a quick disclaimer in yeah. people with like polyps or endometriosis or any condition that might be irritated by penetration especially during your period when you are sometimes more sensitive to pain and inflammation it's okay if you feel that it's not for you yeah totally but if but if your man says it's not for you (laughs) (laughs) get rid of him get rid of him kick him out he doesn't deserve a place in your life he done he done um tell us if if people ever asked you about oral during sex tell us about that or during period sex what did I say? Oral yeah. during sex? Yeah. I meant Earl during period sex. That's what I meant. Obviously. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. So again, that is something that is a decision between you and your partner, but there are things and ways to make it quote unquote mess free as well. Um, there is dams of course, or you can like literally use a piece of saran wrap if you are in a pinch and don't have anything on you to literally just place over top of the vulva. And that way there is no, fluids exchanged in either direction if that's a concern that's a really good idea that is that's a great idea again it's not like period blood is going to make someone sick or unhygienic but um in any regard consuming large amounts of someone else's blood is just not generally good for you and might upset the stomach so it is helpful to have a barrier when there is ingestion of your partner's fluids going on you would have to, I feel like, though, consume a lot. Like, how long are you down there? Like, friend, are you down there the whole evening? I mean, and not just, like, an hour. Like, you don't have to be down there for, like, eight. <laughs> While the person's sleeping. Just live down there. Just live down there. Like. I'm not here to judge. <laughs> You're like, whatever floats your boat. But there are also are. methods that you can use, aside from external ones, to manage your period during, whether it's oral or penetrative, um sexual adventures on your period like a menstrual disc so a menstrual disc sits basically snug near the cervix it's not like a menstrual cup which sits in the vaginal canal but it sits up tucked by the cervix and it's just a little disc that collects the blood so you can have sex or oral sex with a menstrual disc in and that creates 
a very mess-free environment if you're concerned about that. So that's one option. Um, something to stay away from that is chatted about sometimes is sponges. Sponges are not ideal for use in that way or in any way managing your period because pieces of them can break off and oh. become dislodged inside of you which then does put you at risk of infection so using whether it's a disposable or a reusable menstrual disc is a safe way to have any type of sex on your period love that i've never seen a menstrual disc have i have i seen a menstrual disc maybe uh, I, is it like you it's like you know that, that Nixit cup that's on all over Instagram? Yes. That's yes. yes. Oh. So Nixit is actually a disc. I think that they've marketed themselves as a cup because cups are trendy. Um, but it's actually really unfortunate, in my opinion, for body literacy because it's not making a clear distinction. And a cup differs from a disc in a lot of ways, including insertion, removal, how it functions. Um, but yes, people listening might be familiar with the Nixit, which is that little disc it doesn't have a stem on it it's just like a little flat circle essentially okay and so it, it does it sit lower is that no so it sits high you basically insert it all the way up as far as you can in your vagina to sit like right below the cervix and you have it like I wish I had a picture um, but your anatomy works where your pelvic bone creates like a little ridge up in your vagina at the top. I call it a shelf. A shelf, <laughs> yes. Beautiful. A little parking space for yeah. disc, if you will. <laughs> so when you insert the disc, it gets kind of like tucked behind your pubic bone in there, and that's what keeps it in place. So it's not in place by suction like a cup. It is in place by the force of your anatomy which is interesting. Um, and again, you can get them in disposable or in reusable forms. And it in a reusable form, like the Nixit, um, or there's other brands as well, it is similar to a cup in the way that it's medical grade silicone. It's totally safe to stay up there for 12 hours at a time. And then you just take it out, dump it, and you can put it back in. There you go. So w the benefit of that versus a cup, tell me. Just that yeah, you can have so sex with it in. That is definitely one benefit. Um, a lot of people as well like a disc because you don't have to worry about the suction that you worry about with a cup. Sometimes the suction can be really uncomfortable for people um, with cups. It pulled out my bladder. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't even educated in like, how to break the seal with a cup or how to know if you've broken the seal. And it can cause damage if you remove a cup without the seal being properly broken. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, some people, like if you have pelvic floor dysfunction um, or a prolapse, um, a lot of people that have had vaginal deliveries might have just some different things going on with their anatomy after kids. So a disc is nice in that, again, it doesn't have any suction involved. It just sits in there, and then when it's time to remove it, you just grip onto it and pull it out with your finger. <laughs> is it which again um, has a learning curve just like a cup <laughs> yes I was gonna say yeah that sounds like because I can't fit all five fingers and my whole fist up there is that the situation where you really just need or no. do you like call a friend <laughs> like hey Em I'm gonna spread my legs you want to stick your whole fist up no no not your two fingers your whole fist <laughs> just you're like, Emily, you're like bring the tongs <laughs> <laughs> get the barbecue tongs <laughs> right. no, so take it off that shelf <laughs> <laughs> it is not like a cup in the sense that you don't need to even have two fingers to grip. So you just like fish hook your one, point your finger usually works best. Some people will use their thumb, but you just hook your finger in 
to pull it out. So I haven't personally used the Nixit. Um, I have one called the Moon Fleece, oh. which has a little pull tab in it. It has a little ridge that you can hook your finger under. So I actually just tried it for the first time today. Cool. Um, very exciting times. And it went wonderfully. And I think I would probably actually be a little bit hesitant to try a disc without one of those pull tabs now. Yeah, it's a little um, nerve-wracking. Yeah, but uh, not where there is a will, there is a way. That's true. <laughs> and it's similar in that if you bear down, um, like you're passing gas, it helps to dislodge it a little bit. Okay. Or just call a friend and just get them to just exactly. fully fist you. <laughs> not my husband. I'm going to call this bitch. She'll fist me. She'll get no anatomy. Take it out. <laughs> I know this guy would be like, I'm killing you. I'm. You're like a puppet now. This one would be like, this is purely for medical need. <laughs> take it in. Take it out. <laughs> okay. All right. I got it. Uh, that is super cool. I did not know these things. Mm-hmm. So for conclusion's sake. Yes. Period blood is not dirty. Do your thing. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and yes, I've had really good experiences, honestly. Like, it's it's actually, it has relieved pain for me, for sure. Yep. Definitely shortened my period. Um, did I, did I, don't, did I tell the story about the guy with the orange face? No? Didn't oh, God. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that you went away to the cottage? And yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. You told that story. Yes, I told that story. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes. Did I have this? Yes, you did. Okay, but well, anyway, you can tell. Uh, I'll tell Victoria oh, yeah. this story. So oh, yes, my it was uh, like a cottage adventure type of situation where last minute we got a cottage from a friend, and we were like la di da di da, and I was like I'm on the last day of my period. Go down, <laughs> and didn't know that I actually was still bleeding quite a lot, and then we went to bed. And in the morning, we, it was like early, we were like, holy crap, we slept in, we have to go. So we were leaving, and we were actually going back to like his parents' um, cottage, which was down the street, and for breakfast, and she's like, what is all over your face? Oh, no. <laughs> and I didn't even look at him. I literally didn't look at him. And she was like, oh, it's everywhere. It's all over your hands. It's all over your oh, face. God. Literally was like, what is that? And everybody's You're gathering like, okay, around I'm and I'm like, die now. <laughs> and nobody, nobody knew. And he was like, I don't know. He's like, it looks like rust. Didn't she like lick her finger? Oh, oh yeah, was, fully. Like, trying to get fully it off was just face. like, what is happening? Like with oh, her finger, no. and I was like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> but the best part was that nobody knew what it was, so I was like, I'm just gonna move on and pretend this didn't happen. And then I was bye. You're like, wasn't me? Couldn't be me. No <laughs> Couldn't have been me. <laughs> wasn't me. I don't have anything on me. I didn't touch the rust. I don't know. <laughs> didn't even kiss the rust. Bye. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, unfortunate, and I don't even think he really ever knew. I was like, just go wash yourself, you it's freak. Fine. Go. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been something on your pillow. It was like... something on your pillowcase, you weirdo. <laughs> and he's like, it's like everywhere. I don't understand. I was like, oh, oh God. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't me. <laughs> a little bit of a bloodbath moment. Yeah. A little bit of a bloodbath. <laughs> okay. Great. So. We also, on this podcast, talk a lot about the deathly things. So, I know that you have a really cool, uh, some cool TikToks-ish Instagram videos. It's one TikTok too, right, Victoria? I think it was two TikToks that I put into one part for Instagram. Yes. Okay, cool. So, I want to know about the period products, tampon, pad between your legs, uh, IUD, cup, whatever it is, and you did. So I die, I die, I'm on my period. What happens? Tell me, 
Tell me all the things. Yeah, so what happens when you die and you're on your period? So first, I think it's important to note that the circumstances of death play a role in this. Ideally, we all would like to be done our menstruating years by the time that we die. Yeah. But that doesn't always happen. So you first have to also assume that, okay, cause of death will play a role in what happens to your period products if you die on your period here. Um, So if you are... I think anyone in their menstruating years is young. If you are young enough to be in your menstruating years, it's a possibility that you had a catastrophic event happen that leads to your death, which then may result in autopsy, embalming, depending what's going to be done with the body. Whereas if it was an expected death and you happen to be on your period, there might not need to be as extreme measures taken here. So sum everything up here it will really depend on okay are you being autopsied are you not being autopsied are you being embalmed are you not being involved are you being cremated so we'll go with the easiest scenario first here let's say okay you know while we were expecting this death to happen you happen to be on your period and you're being cremated no embalming done just straight to the barbecue essentially <laughs> um, <laughs> so in that instance any product that is not metal is just going to disintegrate into the carbon with your skin. Um, I'm sure you've probably talked about it already on here, but when you're cremated, the ashes are not your flesh and muscles. It's the bone fragments um, that are crushed up, essentially. So and the cream a tampon, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> so a tampon or pad or cup, um, whatever it might be, is going to burn up with your body. Now, if you're somebody with an IUD, though, um, specifically a copper IUD, that will be left over with your bones, likely after cremation. Huh. So after cremation, when they go in to sweep up any you know bones that need to be crushed up still and pick out any screws that were maybe missed, because um, generally they like to try and remove that stuff beforehand if if they can um but they would then find your iud in that little bone pile but any period products when you're cremated will be burned up it is not likely that they will be part of your ashes but it is possible so you never know what's going to end up in your urn. I was going to say, but with your IUD, they would, like, throw it out. They wouldn't put it in your Yeah, urn. no, they're no. not going to be like, okay, so we've got this the ashes here. <laughs> this is sacred. So, like, when the, like, family opens it up to, like, spread it, they're like, and there's her IUD. <laughs> <laughs> Floating in the waves or in the ocean. <laughs> I'm sure, like, you could write it into your death plan if you're somebody listening who would like you your could. IUD to be included. They're expensive, um, so. Might depend crematorium to crematorium some crematoriums are like you a freak no (laughs) yeah for real um but when it comes to anybody whose body is going to be buried or embalmed and preserved somehow it depends how the process goes when it comes to period products so for somebody that is being autopsied generally everything will be discovered and removed at some point um now it depends what the cause of death was and what they're going to need to be doing to the body. But for example, with anything inside the vaginal canal or uterus, that would likely be discovered and removed during an autopsy. Um, Not always in the case of like an IUD, if they don't need to go into the uterus, they're not going to, but generally those would be discovered then and removed. 
Okay. Now, when it comes to embalming, that's another story. So, generally, we would hope that among someone's death experience that they're not going to need to be autopsy, which I would say is the vast majority of people. <laughs> um, so, if you are straight off to um, a funeral home, whether you know, you're going to be embalmed or not, if you're going to be embalmed, it will depend on the embalmer and their process. Everyone has their own little techniques and what they do, um, but generally any holes orifices in the body need to be taken care of and um, drained and plugged okay. so <laughs> during yes because the last thing you want is like if the embalmer is you know embalming a body for a viewing and then suddenly fluids are seeping out of the vagina yeah. and a little um, you know wet piece of cotton seems to I mean, you're dressed, but you know, yeah, it's just not a not a picture you want to paint of your aunt Sue at her uh, <laughs> viewing. So, <laughs> what they would generally do is inspect anything that they can see from the outside. So, if there's a tampon string hanging out, they're likely going to just yank that out and clean up any fluids or wetness in there first. Close that. Um, hold on. <laughs> able to have my squirrel butt if I was being if you were green having green burial, unless it was no. a real squirrel tail <laughs> just make, like a decomposable like I want to be a real squirrel in the next life <laughs> I mean you do you like, it's gonna like taxidermy the tail and just like put a little thing on it <laughs> and that's for me <laughs> 
Oh, I feel like I'm learning so much about you. <laughs> well, if I can't be a unicorn, I want to be something cute, okay? <laughs> All right. Cool. That's super, super interesting. Oh my gosh, you're such a wealth of information. Yep. All right. I think that was basically all of our questions. It was. I think, yeah. Is there anything, like, super cool and interesting that we missed? <laughs> I mean, there's probably, well, like, like, anything a that day. you, you want to promote, basically, like, any um, issues and whatnot that you're kind of facing at the moment with, like, period um, advocacy or period. whatnot? Poverty. Well, and I honestly, now I saw um, this morning, or this morning or yesterday, Victoria, you posted your sisters, not sisters. Mm-hmm. T-shirt and I was like, I want a bag. Need so I'm gonna get a bag. You have bags, right? Yes. Okay, I need a bag, mostly because I have so many T-shirts. I'm like, the bag will live that. longer than the T-shirt. So I'm like, I need a bag. So yes, tell us about some of the products that you're selling. Yeah. So I have my feminist clothing line, and my I'd say best sellers right now is the My Body My Choice. It's when I say feminist, that automatically includes pro choice in my head. Um, so yes, I've got the 100%. My Body My Choice, my newest one, which is support your sisters, not just your sisters, like cisgendered mm-hmm. sisters, um, because we are always inclusive here. And I've got some other fun ones like my Power to the Period one for those that want to be very loud and proud and I've got some booby designs as well that you can find on there um but yeah if if it's just a nice way for people to give back and have your money go somewhere positive as well and I really encourage everyone to look into how you can help out with menstrual equity in your area talk to your governments I know that sharing stuff on social media is great but the direct action is what really makes a difference and when we're sharing stuff on social media sometimes it's just like shouting out into outer space where we need to direct those voices somewhere productive so google and look up your local whether you're in canada your mp or if you're in the states your senators even just your municipal government your wardens and talk to them and say hey what are you doing for menstrual equity what are you doing to support people experiencing homelessness with their periods what are we doing to support our communities essentially and see what they have to say and you know say hey that's not good enough and make your voices heard that's really what i think is something that um is really needed and important right now to use your privilege use your voice and let it be known that we want change and we don't choose to bleed and we shouldn't have to pay and period products are not a luxury they are Absolutely. not they are not at all thank you so much for that where can people find you oh before, I'm sorry. I <laughs> always do this. Every single time. Well, oh, 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 oh. But your jewelry. Uh, well, yeah, you didn't talk about your oh, jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yes. That's Sometimes important. I have a lot of things going on and I forgot little aspects. <laughs> well, and I was looking on your website and I was like, what did we miss? You also have masks, which are super cool. Yes, yeah, I do. Um, but yeah, my, my jewelry, one of my newest uh, adventures is making pronouns jewelry. So I hand stamp pendants i do necklaces or earrings or just the pendant itself if you want to put it on a name tag or a keychain and i can stamp in any pronouns that you see fit and it's really important that we all normalize sharing our pronouns whether you're cisgendered or not to spread the message that we should never be assuming anyone's pronouns and just normalizing asking so i created those as a conversation piece for people to take a closer look and be like 
what's this person wearing and got going on? Um, So I have those, and then I also have for my more uh, loud and proud people, I've got some IUD-inspired necklaces that I've created too. Love. (laughs) And earrings. Yes. Yes. Super cute. (laughs) Love them. Okay, so now, (laughs) where can people find you? How can they sign up for your one-on-one coaching sessions? Like, Shout yourself out. Where can everybody find you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at the elephant in the womb and TikTok at Vixoff um, because I didn't originally intend to use TikTok for business and then it just blew up. Um, and you can find more out about period coaching and all my products at the elephant in the womb.net. Amazing. Love that. Um, is your like your products are on your website as well? Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Okay. Yes. I just found them. And you, there's, there's links to everywhere. There's okay. links everywhere. Okay. Your Instagram is fabulous. You are loud and proud on Instagram. I love that. You're like one of my favorite. Like, it, I feel like we're Instagram friends. Like, when I see you, I'm like, yay, yay. Look at all the things you're wearing. I know you. <laughs> and I feel like I'm kind of like a groupie in the background. Like, I'm like, yeah, you're doing so well. Yes. You're doing amazing, sweetie. You're doing amazing. ever be your groupies um and so yes <laughs> um thanks for shouting yourself out so go give victoria a follow and a like and a share and a, all the things and buy the things and period products and all the things yeah and if you're inquisitive about you like in any period difficulties or whatnot that you're having victoria is a wonderful resource to talk, talk to and chat about and give you more information and make you feel empowered yeah. Aww, so. Thanks for gassing me up, y'all. You're welcome. <laughs> so, okay, but we wanted to say thank you so, so, so much for um, taking some time out and talking to us today. Like, we are really excited to have you on our podcast, and we're just, we love you very much. If you can have, so. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. So. so, you can find us at La Petite Mort Pod on Instagram, not on Facebook, because it's too spicy. Um <laughs> <laughs> It's just uh, too many, too many boomers on there. There's um, too many boomers and parents and, and grandparents. Yeah. My grandma, she yeah, it's no, spicy. It's spicy. No, we're not doing that. Too spicy for Aunt Linda. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can also um, email us if you have any questions or fun stories or with death, taboos, or sex at lapetitemortpod at gmail.com. You can also find us wherever you like to stream podcasts mainly um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And until next time, when in doubt, lube it out, and and write a will. Bye. Bye!